Lady Ballers. Welcome back. We're Soccer Props. And it's game time. But before we get started, you guys, we have to tell you about our new favorite sports drink, Body Armor Light. This drink is amazing, and it's also Mega Rapino's go-to. She's not only a fan of Body Armor Light, but she's also a shareholder and investor. That's pretty cool. And why does she drink it? <laughs> Similar to us, she's mindful of what she puts in her body. And she's worked hard for so many years to maintain and her training regimens and her physical performance. Also, it's a huge plus that it's low calorie and it has no added sugar. Body Armor Light gives you all the stuff that you're looking for in a sports drink without the artificial ingredients. Lady Bullers, you don't have to wait to try it. You can pick up two for $3.50 at your local Walgreens and Dwayne Reed right now through September 26th. And to make this deal even sweeter, head to our Instagram, Probs, and on our post, if you tag two friends and follow Drink Body Armor, you could get a chance to win a Mega Rapino signed soccer ball and three months supply of body armor. Good luck. We're so excited to have you here. Wow. Thanks. I'm so excited. I mean, the soccer girl props. Here we are. You guys in the flesh. <laughs> you ever play soccer? Um, I did. I love soccer. Like, that was my, the other sport that I was like, if I would have done something else, I would have done soccer um, instead of volleyball. I was a left midfield. I, like, had a nice kick up to my forward with my left foot, and that was the only thing I was good for. <laughs> Uh, those are the two, the two sports that I feel like tear everyone is volleyball and soccer because you get to high school and you got to choose. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I thought volleyball wasn't going well, I had like had this, I remember this long conversation with my dad in the car. I was like, there's like 35 people on a soccer roster and there's like 15 on a volleyball roster. Like what if I switched sports? And I was like <laughs> thinking about all these ways, but I never did. And I'm, I'm glad I love volleyball, but yeah, soccer is awesome. Um, so first of all, we love your content so much and we know uh the picture of you in your volleyball outfit you know the side by side and like you talk all about you know body image and all mental health stuff and when it went viral online we we saw your post and we were like oh my gosh this you were everything you were saying was so relatable and so true and aligns perfectly with what we're all about with soccer girl probs so can you just tell us a little bit about like how the heck you've gotten to this point? You know, like you played volleyball in school, right. like where did this all come about where you wanted to talk more openly about mental health issues for athletes? Right. Well, first of all, thank you guys for that repost. I mean, the post was doing well, but I mean, I can't, when you guys reposted it, I had so many people be like, oh my God, soccer girl props. Did you see soccer girl props reposted? <laughs> <laughs> and so we posted it and the, I think it was before I could even tag your name in it. People were tagging you in the in the bottom in the comments already. I was like, oh my God. I was like, I gotta go check this out. It's funny. It's cool to see that people like female athletes just kind of follow within the community. Like, cause obviously I've only, I never posted about soccer. I've only posted about volleyball, but you guys obviously post about soccer, but female athletes in general. So it's cool to see that crossover. Um, how did I get here? It was really an organic uh like experience to get here. I always tell people I never sat down and was like, okay, how do I build a platform on Instagram? How do I blah, 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 blah. And like, it was not like that, which is funny because a lot of things in my life, I'm very, give me X and Y, and I will give you Z. Like I like to plan things. Um, but no, I never expected, especially in high school that my full-time gig would be advocating for depression, anxiety, and disordered eating. Like if you told me that in high school, I would have been like, 
how did my life go so wrong? Like, cause I was obsessed with being perfect and just not having problems. Um, and long story short, I was just kind of blindsided with the stress and pressure of being a college athlete and in dealing with those mental health issues very severely, I was just completely shocked that one, someone like me, who I thought like had a very, I had a very nice upbringing. Um, I didn't have any other real issues that, and, and that was a very privileged to have that life. Um, but then to be so depressed and anxious from literally just being a student athlete made me think, wow, like this is a super hard thing to do for many, many people. Um, and no one's talking about it. And that part like really infuriated me. And I was also a journalism student. So I loved telling stories. I loved reporting. Um, and I was hoping to become a sports journalist. So I realized like I could essentially tell my own story. Um, and the point of doing that was I remember being really down one day. Sophomore year was like my dark year, depressed, everything, um, just at a head. And I was on my computer Googling like at 2 a.m., uh, depressed athlete. Like, am I depressed? Like, you know, trying to self-diagnose the issues in your life. We've all done it. And I really couldn't find anything. Um, it was before, this was before Kevin Love's Player Tribune article. This was before Michael Phelps was on the nationwide therapy commercials, before Simone Biles was in the limelight, like in the spotlight. So um, there was nothing. And this just made me obviously feel more alone and more insecure about my problems. Like, damn, I must be the only one feeling this way. Um, and that sucked. And so when the opportunity to give a TED talk appeared, which literally appeared in my email inbox one day to all the USC students, I was like, I know exactly what I want to talk about. And I want to talk about this so that this 15 minute video can be found on Google by another depressed athlete laying in their bed at night. Um, and that's the first time I advocated for it. The first time I did anything for it. And from there, I just received a lot of messages, a lot of people coming to my profile, um, a very small profile, right? I was just like a normal kid at school saying, this resonated with me. I watched your TED talk. I started crying. Like girls who I high-fived after games would be like, good game, good game. I loved your TED talk. Good game, good game. And I just realized, wow, this is so many people who are struggling with this. And I thought, you know, I can post more about this. I have more to share. And it just slowly became me kind of building what I've built now. Um, and yeah, so that was just kind of the gradual process. And um, actually the two, for two years after my TED talk, I never spoke publicly. I never had, once again, never had thoughts of, oh, I'll be a public speaker. Um, I'll go give talks. Didn't cross my mind. And then two years later, senior year, I got a DM from a student at Denison University saying, would you come speak at our campus? We, we really need this conversation. And like, I saw your TED talk. And I just remember seeing the DM um, and thinking, well, volleyball is going to be over. Like, I don't see why I can't come there and talk. And then that once again, just led to more people saying, well, can you come to my school and my school? And then here I am today. <laughs> you nervous to public speak? I was, so I, I always joke that I was the person in school where if I was in a group project, I'd be like, okay, you guys do the project and I will sign, steal, and deliver this in front of the classroom. Like that was me. Okay. All right. So, so you had that, cause I was going to say for your first thing to be, to go out and give a TED talk, yeah. I would literally be a mess. <laughs> no, I was, I'm super confident about those things. I did the talent show when I was in oh, high okay. school, but, um, was I was, cool. I couldn't do what you do. Yeah. <laughs> me either. I was super nervous, but right before the TED talk, I, I actually memorized my talk verbatim. So like, there's no script. 
I didn't want to hold notes. Like obviously the athlete in me was like, screw that. I'm not holding notes. Like, like, you know, you gotta, you prepare, you're not prepared. And so I was like, I'm not holding notes. And so I just memorized it as a script. Um, and then literally I remember like 30 minutes before in rehearsal, like forgetting entire chunks. And I just had to take this moment. This is where like being an athlete came in. I like took this moment behind the stage right before I went on. I was like, Victoria, if you did not prepare and you had no script, you could go up and talk about this for 20 minutes. Like you don't need any of that stuff. Like you have this in your heart and soul. And like, I kind of came from that place and I ended up only forgetting one line. <laughs> That's impressive. I was, the, like, the TED talk was, go ahead, Chatted. No, I was going to say, I always feel like people we've spoken to who are athletes, like talk to themselves more in third person, like in their head more than anyone. I don't know why. Is that just an athlete thing? Like we just talk yeah. to and like hype ourselves up. Yeah. Like in my head, I say my own name a lot of times. Yeah, like addressing myself. Yeah. <laughs> I've never thought about that. I think so, you know, like I, and I, I honestly joke that I kind of have like a little bit of social anxiety now, Um, you know, just those thoughts of like, people like me, what if they think? Like those things I never used to have. And I always wonder if I'm having these thoughts because college volleyball was so insane. I had so many thoughts in my head that I can't shut off those thoughts when I go into a social environment. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. And also too, like, I like to think that we talk, like when, whenever you're talking to yourself, chances are you're either trying to hype yourself up because you're saying something negative or you're automatically saying something negative. And I think it's good that you remove yourself from that person. Cause you're like, that's not me. Like I'm telling this person, you know, this is not how I should be feeling right now. Right. And it's kind of nice to separate yourself a little bit. So maybe that's why athletes do it. Like, you know, you're not what your thoughts are most of the time. So it's so interesting. And learning that took me a while. Like I didn't even know you could separate from your own thoughts until um, after my freshman year, I started reading a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's about the growth mindset. Yes. And learning about the growth mindset, I was like, holy shiza. Like I can have thoughts and choose what I want to think. I thought my thoughts are just my thoughts and I don't think I could do this. <laughs> and so that ability and especially like putting the reps in there with the growth mindset, like in practice every single day, like I had practices where, because my performance anxiety was so bad, I had to do this. I walked into practice and I was like, today I'm only working on my mind. And like, that was my little thing with me. My coaches didn't have to know if they told me to work on something, I just nodded and like pretended. But I was like, no, today is all about my self-talk. And like, that is so important it's so true the reps like you were saying we really believe this too like you have to practice where where your mind goes and kind of like con not controlling what you're what you're thinking but like bringing yourself back to thinking positively is an actual thing that you need to practice so that it becomes a habit and it becomes second nature something that you don't always have to do all the time so i think that's so important that you said that it's definitely some, like a you have to work on your mental game too and not just your physical oh, yeah. game as an athlete yeah Huge advocate for that, obviously. <laughs> I think the mental game is so important, if not the most important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so when we saw your stuff too, like it just was so amazing because I just think that it's just not, there's too many athletes not talking about how they're actually feeling. Like mm -hmm. it's just, right, Alana and Shannon? Like even us at school, like we felt like we couldn't talk to anyone, not even our teammates because we didn't know if anyone else was feeling the same way you know that's so funny I don't think I realized until you just said it before that like there was not the Michael Phelps ads with him getting therapy there was not all of these things where athletes started opening openly talking about it that was just literally non-existent um yeah seeing all those athletes was incredible but back to what you said about not wanting people to know 
like for me, there were two big reasons I didn't want people to know. And I think this will probably resonate with you guys is like, one, you don't want your teammates thinking they can't count on you or they can't trust you. The last thing you want is your teammates to know you're crying and shaking before the game. Why would they ever pass you the ball? Um, So that's a no. And then the other thing is the only, the, the thing we want the most as college athletes is playing time. Like that is why I'm sacrificing all this other stuff in my life is so I can play. And if I tell my coach, I'm going to weekly therapy and there's a girl who's just as good as me on the bench, why would he not want to put her in and think she's probably more stable than me? And so for those two reasons, I'm like, nope, no, no one's going to know. And, but then I realized, um, obviously throughout my junior, senior year, I was like this big mental health person. It didn't affect me in those ways. You know, at the end of the day, I always, and I joke about this in my talks, I'm like, your coach doesn't care literally, if you have a criminal record, like they're going to play you if you have the best stats. Yeah. So if you can go to therapy, show up and beat out your other girl, you're going to play if your coach is a good coach. So, I mean, I think reminding myself of that was helpful. And then also, once again, your teammates are all going through something similar. So then they respect you because you are the one person who's kind of making them feel okay in their secret issue. Yeah. I think I was going to say, I think of if any, if this has taught us anything, it's that a lot of the times when we think that we're the only one that's experienced something, we are absolutely not the only one. And I mean, we've talked about this after, like while we played soccer, like for example, we were weighed and measured for body fat and it was openly posted for everyone to see. And I think it all really dug into all of us and bothered each of us in our own way. But I don't remember ever, I remember being like, wow, guys, that's messed up. But I don't remember ever actually talking about the fact that it was mentally that is so traumatizing like I get I it gets my blood boiling like I would (laughs) yeah when I hear about this with like various coaches teams because when I obviously go speak the players will be like we weigh in like every single day like they come whispering these things to me because they're like help and I like have no shame being like this is so wrong it is so harmful it's so unnecessary like and most of the time the person weighing you it's not even their job it's like the trainer or the assistant coach. It's never the nutritionist, never yeah. the person yeah. that actually should be doing it. It's, a, it's usually a man. Um, yeah. And yeah, look at you're all so sad that you're nodding, right? Because uh, yeah. And so like, and that's the kind of thing that we as players need to recognize, like this is not necessary and it's harmful, which is, yeah. and like, I'm going to say something about it. And there's so many things we feel like we can't say because we do want that approval from our coach. We do want to play. Yeah. And um, the environment, like I literally felt like it was a competition, which is the most fucked up thing ever. Like yeah. I remember seeing that and being like, oh, we're literally like ranked right now by this. This is one more thing that they're measuring us and we need to perform and look like this. And I don't think we ever openly all looked at each other and we're like, everyone like screw this list. Like we need to like not let this be yeah. harmful the way that it's harmful, you know? Because your body fat is less. It's the dumbest yeah. thing ever. Yeah. It's wild to think about how much pressure is put on the female athlete, especially because not only do you have to show up and perform, but now you have to look a certain way or weigh a certain weight. And like, you have to just, your athletes think their body has to be a certain way. And like, I think that's why like for women, it's just like, we beat ourselves up so much. And I know Victoria, you talk about this a lot with your content, like the whole body image issue with, with female athletes, especially it's, it's a huge issue and not enough people are talking about it. And yeah, everyone's about body. Your experience. Your experience oh, sorry. No, I was just going to prompt you. Can you talk about your experience with like oh. your personal self body? Yes, body? definitely. Um, my experience was basically 
you know, coming from coming out of high school, entering college, I was a lean girl. Um, I'd never been too muscular. I've been like toned enough that people knew I was an athlete, but I was never lifting heavy weights. Like I was about to lift in like a division one gym. Um, and so, you know, and I was cautious about my body. I counted calories. I like was inspired by models. Like I was definitely in that toxic culture, which you guys could probably agree with me is kind of normal. Like when I look back and I think about counting my calories, looking to Victoria's Secret models for inspo and like going on diets with my friends, like that is normal. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's normal. I'm saying it's happened so much. We're desensitized to the fact that it's just part of being a teenage girl. Yeah. And now I look back with all the work I've done and I'm like, that was so toxic. But at the time it was just, we all do that. So I get to college and the requirements for the workouts and the, 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 now the new hunger I had was like twice as much. I was very self-conscious about how much food I needed, wanted to consume. I'm looking at it like, this is the, the amount my brother used to eat. This, this is the amount a guy eats. Um, it's not what I, this cute little feminine girl eats. You know, you want to have like your sandwich with no bread and veggies on the side. And I'm like, that is literally my mid game snack at this point. Um, Cause I need so much food to feel energized. And like, I can go through my day. And I just kind of one day realized like I've gained weight, um, things didn't fit me. And, um, I noticed it on the scale and I freaked out and, um, I thought, okay, I'm just going to lose 10 pounds. Like, and I've done this before, like in high school, um, you know, I count my calories, I do my little thing and I lose the weight. But this time, like the reference in my mind of what I was supposed to eat was what I did in high school with three practices a week that were each two hours. And now I'm practicing six days a week for almost three hours. Um, and I'm trying to eat the calories that the high school version of me ate. And as a result, I was like so hungry, so deprived that at night I would break my diet. And that started as, oh darn, like I, after dinner I had ice cream and cereal and I ruined my diet. So tomorrow we're going to start again. But as that cycle went on, it became, I can't believe I did that. How could I eat that food? Like that was just no willpower. Tomorrow I'm going even harder. Tomorrow I'm going to eat even less because like I, I need to be punished. And then it became, instead of a, a, a break my diet, uh, I'm binge eating. Like I'm eating everything in sight. I'm eating most of it in secret because I don't want anyone to see me do this. Um, and then that kind of started my binge eating cycle. Um, which, sorry, I know your question was like my experiences with this. And I know that kind of leaves it open-ended, but. Um, this is incredible. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started. So that's, who have done yeah, this. that was my binge eating, the start of it. And um, I also just remember feeling really uncomfortable with my body because I had been so obsessed with this standard of beauty that I literally thought was a Victoria's Secret model, which was super skinny, long legs, thin arms, like no triceps, right? The, the person I was, yeah, yeah. The body type I was looking to was a body type I will literally never have in, in the life I'm living. That's like, what I was going to say is that like what most girls would, they're like, be like, oh, what's your ideal body? They're comparing themselves to someone who physically does not have to do anywhere near the same. <laughs> yeah. And then we're like, why can't, why can't I look like that and do this? And it's just, 
it comes yeah. down to like what you, if you need to be able to do this, you cannot aim to look like someone who doesn't ever have to do those types yeah. of things. And it's even true. though, even athletes with female athletes yourselves, every single body is different. So like you're an athlete who can look totally different than your teammates. And like, right. it comes down to the fact that like, actually a lot of lady ballers have asked questions for you, Victoria, like how do they stop comparing themselves to their teammates, their body, their performance? Because it, we got a lot of questions about that. Um, it happens a lot every day. Yeah, well, I think one of the things I've realized looking back is for me to play college volleyball at the level I did, I needed to have a body that was probably 20 pounds heavier than what I wanted to look like. Like I just, that was the body I had to have to play my sport. Um, and at the time, like the big switch I made in my mind that I had to realize was it's more, it's not about what my body looks like. It is about what my body is doing for me. And for such a long time, I was so like almost disgusted at lifting heavy. And like, I remember having a girl who like, I loved her body and we were, and I asked her like, you know, how do you stay so skinny? Because like all the weight we're lifting. And she was like, oh my God, like, I just don't lift when the, when trainer looks away, like I stop, like just gave me all these weird, like little toxic things that I should do. And, um, so just to explain for the longest time, I resented like what the body I was, they were trying to build for me to be the best player I could be. And as I got older through the program, I started to look at the girls who like were lifting heavy and like did have the best numbers and like were killing it. And I wanted to be that strong. Like I viewed, I started to realize strength and muscle is something to be so proud of. Like when we literally think about muscle, it's an actual physical embodiment of your hard work. Like you could not have it if you didn't work really, really hard. Many people don't have muscle because they don't work as hard as you. So instead of looking down and being like, this is so embarrassing. It's like, how many hours has it taken me to get these legs? Like that's freaking awesome. And not everyone has these legs. And so I started looking at it that way. And in terms of the comparison, you know, I think I've just not decided, like, I'm not even going to let myself go there. Like I have things in my life. I'm sure I would want them to be like someone else's life, but I also have things someone else might want in my life. Like you, the same way you can say, yeah, she has it better than me. The same way you can say, well, she has it worse than me. So I think in general, that to me just like washes comparison because if you're comparing someone better, then you should compare someone less than, or if you're comparing someone less than, you should compare someone better. Um, so that like helped me. And then also just reminding myself that like, if we all, and this is, this is the, this is the gold right here. If we all ate the same and we all worked out the same, we would still all look different. Mm -hmm. I will never look like her. Even if I ate like her, slept like her, acted like her, I will never have her body. So why do I want to put myself through this merry-go-round that literally never has an end? Mm -hmm. It's so true. And don't you find that it's so, I, we talked about this in the past, but it's kind of selfish to constantly think about yourself and how you look and like worrying about, you know, changing and all that. Like you're actually giving all of your energy that, that other people would benefit from just to yourself. And like, it's like, why not just like be happy with yourself so you can give your best self to the world every single day. And that's like, I love that you're th those points that you make. It's just so freaking true. I also think along with that in a way, and like, I understand if people 
like I remember for me, like it was like, I couldn't not think about it. You know, it was like, I woke up thinking about what I could, couldn't eat, how I looked, how I didn't look, what I weighed, what I wanted to look like. So I couldn't really turn it off, but, um, there are little things you can do to create and build an environment and life around you that no longer prioritizes those things. Mm -hmm. And like the first thing we start with is social media. And like, I feel like when I say this, sometimes I think people are thinking, Oh, like that's not realistic. Like, but it is, if I pulled up my, my popular page on Instagram, which we all know is Instagram polling content you engage with most to show you things it thinks you'll like. I guarantee we could scroll for five minutes and you would not find one person in a bikini because that's not the content I engage with anymore. Those are not the accounts I follow. Those are not the girls I look at. Um, and so as a result, I'm getting filtered better positive content. Like I follow hashtags of body positivity, intuitive eating, mental health, and I'm creating a feed that makes me feel better about who I am and reminds me it's not the priority how I look. So also like creating an environment that doesn't allow those thoughts to really like grab onto something and, and stay living, like just lets them be a thought that passes, um, is really important. And I think like doing a lot of those things. And another thing I always tell female athletes as well is, did you guys have a full body mirror in your locker room? Yeah. Um, course, right. Yeah. 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 Bathroom. And before practice, every female athlete puts on their oh. uniform and their private goes to the mirror looks in it, says seven things they hate about themselves, then goes and plays. Like, that's just the routine. Like, <laughs> and we need to stop that. Like, I just decided I'm not about to put on my spandex t-shirt and shoes, look in the mirror for five minutes and then go play. I'm going to put on, I'm going to suit up, head down. I'm going to walk out the door and like, I'm going to get in the zone for playing. Like, I'm not going to spend five minutes saying negative things about myself. And like the same way we're disciplined in sport is the same way you can be disciplined about like, how you want to talk to yourself and spend your, your minutes. And so like not looking in the locker room mirror as well was like a huge change for me. That's so funny because I played volleyball in middle school and I was definitely like the biggest girl. And I remember being so self-conscious in the spandex. And that was one of the reasons why I stopped playing. Do you know, that's why I, I that's why I didn't play that. Wow. And my coach said, you have thunder thighs. And she said in a good way, but I took it as, oh my God, I didn't know I had these big thighs. And then every time I looked in the mirror, I'd think thunder thighs. Sh Shannon, it's so true. My coach told me I had tree trunk legs, and, <laughs> like meaning they were strong. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, I need to stop eating. <laughs> like that was my first thought. It's so horrible. Like this is the, these are the thoughts that we were thinking as athletes and we already have so much freaking pressure on us and we're just putting even more stuff on us. So it's just, right. I mean- Not Really? I love I, that idea of taking the mirrors out of the locker room. Yeah, literally. And then also like addressing, addressing the negatives of having a, a bikini body, if you want to use that. Like I, I was really underweight all during college, but I legitimately had a serious level injury every single semester. I don't think I was ever not injured. And it was every part of my body because I was so weak because I was so underweight. And if I had just enjoyed the strength and enjoyed the security and health that being a, a couple pounds heavier than I was would have given me I would have had way more playing time not being hurt or not being injured you know or not being having to sit out because of something and I I feel like we look at oh my god this looks so good this looks so good this looks so good but in reality it performs terribly on a right. field it's not going to run as as fast it's not going to be as strong it's not going to keep you as healthy and I feel like we push all that to the side because we want to look a certain way which is 
when you realize that you're doing it, when I realized that I was doing it, I was like, I am so stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. Literally, it was like a moment of realization. But Don't you guys feel like we just need to prioritize like in the moment, what is important now? And like yeah. that's playing and having fun and, and feeling good when you're on the field. And that's why like Alana, like we always say, you shouldn't think about calories as calories. You should think about it as energy, especially yeah. for athletes. It's your energy. You need it. So, right. Um, you mentioned earlier that you um, went to weekly therapy. Was that, that was during school? Like when you were playing? Yeah, that was at USC. Um, I was grateful we had those resources. A big issue is a lot of schools don't have that accessibility and that is a big thing that needs to change. Um, but yes, at USC we had that and I went once a week uh, through sophomore year, junior year, and then senior year I was like, I'm not crying as much. Like, I don't have as much to talk about. I think I can do this thing. Um, and I stopped going as much senior, senior year. That's amazing though. I really hope that schools continue to give those resources to students, but and especially athletes. Cause I feel like so many athletes would use that tool if they knew it was available to them and they knew there wasn't a stigma behind it. And you know, what's interesting to see and it's, it's empowering and it's awesome is so many athletes are obviously using their voices right now to advocate for things they care about, racial injustice, um, health and safety with COVID. And I think that letter from the football players about protocol for COVID, like all that stuff is so important. We could equally petition that it's not safe for us to endure the level of play and the amount of play and the schedule we do and not have accessibility to proper mental health resources. And like, we legitimately should revolt and say like, <laughs> I, the same way every team is designated a trainer for physical injuries, we should have someone designated for invisible injuries. Um, and, you know, I really hope that like we get to that point and a lot of students who come to me and say like, we don't have these things on campus. It's like, then what can we do every single day? Let's write a letter and let's knock on the athletic director's door. Like, let's be, so persistent we are almost annoying because that is how you spark change like in any you know infrastructure <laughs> yeah that, I mean that's so true and I'm even aside from having the resources I think it's there are probably still schools where it's not even spoken about like addressed like even just the the fact that you will be under a ton amount of pressure you may feel anxiety or depression or have panic attacks things like that like that's never even like it's so becomes so taboo because it's not even discussed but we'll talk about nutrition and we'll talk about fitness and we'll talk about yeah. injury risk reduction and things like that but that topic is like it's such a like oh we'll only talk about it if we need to talk about it kind of thing that then right. when someone wants to get help even if they want to go to an outside resource they feel like something is wrong with them you know or it feels like it's something they need to hide so I feel like even just like you were saying, I mean, there should be resources available to every team and it needs to be just even talked about. Cause I'm sure there are tons of teams where it's not even a coach doesn't even say it out loud, which right. is great. I feel like a big reason that a lot of people quit our team was because of all the anxiety and, you know, oh, yeah. had mentally. And you just thought they were, I don't know if this was just me, but I thought they were just, they couldn't handle the pressure like we could. Yeah. And we were strong for saying, but now like, I feel like they did the right thing by, stepping away and getting the help they needed and you wish you could do that while you were still playing but. Yeah. that's the thing that also breaks my heart is like could that person have been able to play the sport they loved for four years if the environment wasn't as toxic and it was more supportive of their the challenges they faced yeah. and I think the answer is yes and I think of girls I know who played at USC who like I idolized who quit 
because they mentally like lost it or they mentally couldn't play without having panic attacks and like they just quit and I respect that like wholeheartedly if you got to do what you got to do like and I also love when people say like you move forward like you're not a quitter like it's just time to turn the page and I believe that um but it does pay me to think in a different athletic department with a different coach with different resources with different support and different environment could you have thrived and I think the answer is yes and so it's so sad to think about the players who it's not their fault at all um are are put in a position where it's not going to work for them no matter how hard they try because they don't have the help they need yeah no, I, totally I, agree. I, I loved our experience at our school but i think there was a lot of things that should have been changed to mm -hmm. make experience more enjoyable and just healthier for the players think about how much like more powerful your team would be if half the team wasn't coming onto the field with weight loads of anxiety on their shoulders every single bathroom before yeah <laughs> victoria we actually um it's been about a year now but we've been working on a lady ballers guide to conquering anxiety with a, a guy named seth allen taylor and he's like an energy coach and what we're putting together is exactly what you're talking about is missing at schools and like it's a guidebook it's really cool we have to send you a copy um, yeah. I think you would really like it, but it just got me thinking, like, is there any like activity or, or, or exercise that you do when you're feeling anxious or depressed or sad? Like, do you do any writing stuff or anything like that that's helpful to you? Um, so I think the way I cope with anxiety and depression is different. Um, and for my anxiety, I think that what gets me is those catastrophic thoughts and those um, irrational fears and, and like just that train of thought that goes wild that you believe and it says all these negative things about you. Um, and so for me, like really being able to step aside and be aware of that voice, but know that the voice is not me, um, really helps me. And there's been a lot of work I've done to kind of get there. And obviously one of those things is the growth mindset we talked about, but also mindfulness. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big meditator in the sense that I wake up every day and I meditate, but when I played volleyball, I actively worked on being mindful of my thoughts in a way where I could have them without judgment. So sometimes you're going to have those thoughts. We're human. We have a million jillion thoughts all the time. Um, but it's not clinging to them, believing them or validating them. And so I had a thought that I suck. Okay. I'm going to let that cloud float away. Cause now here comes a thought that is about, uh, my friend's dress she wore last night. Like it's just going to, it's going to keep going. So I think also being mindful of my thoughts and then something I wish I knew in college was about the ego. Have you guys done any work around that or heard about mm -hmm. kind of ego, ego work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've been reading a book called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And I just read it. <laughs> oh my God. Is it yeah. not just mind blowing? Spirit versus ego. Like it's, it's every, every athlete needs to know about this because athletes yes. are like huge. Yes. Yes. It's all, yes. It is feeding the ego. It's my ego, this ego, that. And I wish I was even aware I had that voice. And it's funny. I think the interesting thing about our mind is like, as athletes, we are incredible thinkers and we really do understand how to control our thoughts and those things. But 
it's almost like we, we figured it out, kind of how to sink or swim with our own mind, but we haven't actually learned the legitimate terms, tools, and, and ways to approach it from people like Eckhart or other people who have studied this thing. So to learn about the ego, I just, I'm like, I think this should be mandatory teaching for all like 18 year old kids. Um, so I'm glad that you read it and like, and learning about that has helped with my anxiety as well. Um, definitely. Yeah, because your ego, your ego is just trying to help you survive. So it's going to tell you, you know, your ego is going to be the thoughts in your head saying like, you need to do this, this, otherwise you're going to die. And it could be about the simplest little thing. And it just mm-hmm. adds to your stress and anxiety because you're putting yourself up at like a pedestal that's so ridiculous, you know, and, and unnecessary. So it's just really right. great. And um, we'll definitely have to put a link to the book in the description of the podcast because everyone has to read it's it. It's so good. And it honestly helps with body image as well. Mm-hmm. Like these thoughts of um, you need to look a certain way or you're not good enough if your number on the scale doesn't say this, like that is all ego. And like, mm-hmm. we are not that voice. We're the person who hears that voice. And it's just been really helpful in like all aspects of my life to start thinking about that and doing the work. Um has been really really helpful yeah i gotta check it out yeah that's fantastic victoria you are an inspiration Uh, we we absolutely love what you're all about and you're doing so much good for the athletic world you really are and i hope that like we can help in any way to get you know schools and institutions to have more support for these athletes um in these areas because it's all something we wish we had when we were playing Yeah. yeah i agree Thank yeah, do you, you for the kind about, words. Do you want to talk about the hidden opponent real quick and let people know what you're doing with that? Yeah, definitely. So the hidden opponent is a nonprofit I founded for mental health awareness for student athletes specifically. Obviously, once again, just student athletes is I think a group of people that need this mental health support and this awareness. And so um, the hidden opponent is run by student athletes. Everyone on the team are incredible current or former athletes who are like volunteering their time to build this community um, with me and it's so special and any student athlete can be a part of it by following the instagram but the facebook group is something we're really proud of and it's really special there's over 500 student athletes on it and sometimes i just look through it and i like almost cry because i'm just like this is so cool we've created a community on facebook where anyone can come talk about mental health body image insecurities um especially dealing with what they're dealing with right now and have other athletes you know, give them advice, say, I feel the same way. And just like a place where these conversations are the only conversations we're having. So there's no stigma. Um, there's no embarrassment factor, um, just support. So if you guys are any student athletes interested in joining the Facebook group, it's just called the hidden opponent student athletes. But yes, we would love to have any student athletes a part of our community. That's awesome. I'm sure you're going to get a ton of new lady ballers trying to get into the group for sure. I hope so. I love the lady ballers. That's awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. You three are so awesome and so cool. And I'm glad that we're connected now. I don't know how we were not connected sooner, but I'm excited for what's to come now.